broadcasting worldwide on internet radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. The Refresher Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Previously recorded with Mark as the host of the Mark Kohler Show. Enjoy this fresh take on strategies to better live the American dream. Welcome to the Mark Kohler radio program. As you may have guessed uh, by now, I am not Mark Kohler. Uh, I am Jerem Bergeson. I am an attorney with KKOS Lawyers. Uh, so Mark Kohler is my boss. Uh, he has asked me to guest host the radio show today, and I'm excited to do it. Um, I've got uh, I've got a broadcasting background. I studied this in in college. Uh, and when I do these shows, I remember why I didn't con- continue down that path and why I became <laughs> became an attorney. Uh, and I, you may you may uh, get to know that uh, that same thing during this time. But I, I really am excited to to be on the radio show. Uh, you know, it's it's October. The World Series is starting. Uh, life is good here in Southern Utah. I'm in the Cedar City office uh, of KKOS Lawyers. Uh, Mark obviously is in Southern California. We also have an office in Phoenix. Uh, the weather is actually beautiful here right now. Uh, my pro football team is doing well. The Broncos are five and one. Peyton Manning just broke the all-time touchdown record, so I'm excited about that. Don't ask me about my college football team. They've fallen off the face of the earth the last three weeks, so I'm not, I'm not going to go down that path. Anyway, I know you're not here to or not listening in to hear me talk about college football or pro football, so uh, let's uh, let's get into uh, some of the uh, issues here. I want to I want to take a look at the the newsletter that we send out. Uh, our firm sends out. Uh, Mark sends out every every Monday night or Tuesday morning. Uh, he stays up late burning the midnight oil to get this out to you. So I want to go over a couple of the highlights from that newsletter before we get started. After that, we're going to bring on some uh, some tipsters, and then we'll get to the, the meat of the program, the, uh, the subject and the topic for the day. Uh, first, uh, tax deadline. We're not going to have a tax tipster, so uh, I'll be kind of your tax tipster a little bit today. Um, in the in the newsletter, there is an, a deadline for Halloween, October 31st, for payroll reports. If you have employees or if you own and operate your own S corporation or any entity that's taxed as an S corporation, then you know that's going to be a critical deadline. There there's going to be payroll forms required for both the state and the IRS. If you need any assistance, give our our sister uh, accounting firm. Kohler and Air CPAs a call. Uh, Cynthia Morales is the person to talk to. Their phone number over there is 435-865-5866. A couple live events that are coming up soon. Uh, One of the other partners, my other boss, Matt Sorensen, uh, is going to be on Real Talk Real Estate, uh, an actual terrestrial radio program, not just online, uh, an AM station, AM 1380 uh, in Sacramento from 10 to 11 a.m. on Saturday. Um, if you can tune into that, if you're in the Sacramento area, I think that'll be well worth your time on a Saturday to tune into that. Uh, if not, then uh, we have links on the uh, on the uh, newsletter to go ahead and listen to that in podcast form. 
Um, so you can you can take a listen to that. I'm sure if you go to the AM 1380 website, I would assume they have one that they'll have that available as well. Um, as far as speaking events, uh, coming up on November 8th, uh, Mark is going to be in Seattle, Washington for a wealth transformation workshop. Uh, that's a, It's an all-day event. Uh, info and pricing is in the newsletter, also on Mark's website, markjkohler.com. Uh, those wealth transformation workshops are what they say they are. They will transform the way that you look at wealth, the way you look at protecting your assets and saving on taxes. Even if you've been to one before, uh, they're well worth your time, uh, absolutely, to, to get out to another one and to get the update on, on the most cutting-edge uh, techniques and, and tactics. Uh, on November 22nd, uh, Mark's got a tax and legal update, another wealth transforma- transformation workshop, uh, same time, 9 a.m. on a Saturday, uh, November 22nd in, in Orange County. Um, so you know, be there if you're in Southern California. Uh, and if you're in Hawaii, or gosh, if you just want to be in Hawaii in December, and who wouldn't, um, there's another uh, wealth transformation workshop on December 13th in Honolulu. Uh, not a bad gig to be in Honolulu in December, so so check that out. Um, I've got some speaking engagements coming up. Some uh, uh, I'm going to be talking about estate planning during the show today, uh, and I'm going to be talking on estate planning in these workshops. Uh, they're only a couple hours long instead of all-day events. Um, you know what I what I'm going to talk about today will be explored in greater detail in these live events. I'll be available to answer specific questions, and I'm available to answer. Let me bring, let me put that out there. I'm available to answer specific questions today. If you are listening right now live uh, and you want to call in with a question, please uh, please do call in. The, the the number to call is six four six. Two zero zero four two eight five. If you wanna, if you wanna get a hold of us and talk to talk to me over the phone uh, today during the, the 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 show, if you've got any questions, give that that number a call, or you can type in a, a question on the on the chat window, and I should be able to to answer that there. Uh, Lisa, who's running the broadcast and does a great job, she will make me aware of of any of that. So if you've got questions. Uh, percolating right now about estate planning, or if you're listening to the show and I bring up something that you uh, that brings up more questions than answers, uh, please feel free to to either call in. I'll take those as a first priority call in questions, uh, and then questions on the chat line would be next. Um, anyway, my events uh, are all within the state of Utah. Um, the uh, conditions of my parole don't allow me to leave the state of Utah. That's actually not true. Um, I'm not on parole, but uh, anyway, they, they keep me they keep me confined here in the state of Utah. Anyway, my first one is on November 12th at 7 p.m. here in Cedar City. Uh, I will be in St. George, Utah, the next day, November 13th from 3 to 5 p.m. That's an afternoon event, um, so that one's a little bit different time. But November 13th, I'll be in St. George. I'll be in Richfield, Utah, on November 19th again at 7 p.m. And we're nailing down the exact locations, but they will be in these in these cities. Uh, I'll be in Kanab, Utah, on November 20th at 7 p.m. I do know that that's going to be at the luxurious Comfort Inn in Kanab. So, uh, if you've ever wanted to be at the Comfort Inn, uh, Comfort Inn in Kanab, uh, and see somebody talk about estate planning, uh, which I don't blame you if you have that, then I will be there to fulfill that uh, <laughs> that that dream on uh, on November 20th. And then I will be in. I don't know why we did it this way. We saved the coldest locations for last. Uh, I'll be in Vernal, Utah on December 3rd at 7 p.m. 
Uh, and then I'll be in Logan, Utah on December 4th at 3 p.m. That's another afternoon event. You'll see there's a week we skipped there. That's the Thanksgiving week. Um, so um, uh, I figured people didn't want to have turkey with me on Thanksgiving and talk about estate planning, so we're skipping that week. So if you can be out there, if you want more uh, information or you, you didn't get to write those down as I went through them and you want to know where I'm going to be, please feel to feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, my email address is jarom, J-A-R-O-M, at kkoslawyers.com. Um, so I think what we're going to do right now, I don't know if... If we've got our tipsters on, I can't see in the chat window, so maybe Lisa will have to get on and tell me if we've got uh, if we've got anyone. So it looks like we don't have anybody on yet. So we are gonna. I, I am waiting for Kevin Kennedy out of our Phoenix office. He's going to be calling in. Should be calling in with a with a legal tip. Uh, hopefully he does because <laughs> uh, we need to break it up a little bit. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a straight hour of me unless unless anybody uh, calls in with questions. So if you have questions, please do go ahead and, and give us a call. Um, I, I see I've got a couple questions that have already come in regarding estate planning. I'm going to get uh, I'm going to uh, that have come into me by email. Actually, one came in to Mark and he's just forwarded it to me. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll answer that question uh, during during the hour here. Um, if if Kevin does call in, then we'll we'll take him. But I guess what we'll do right now is I I am going to tar, uh, talk in this uh, in this show. My focus is going to be estate planning. Uh, I, you know, we we kind of promoted this as keeping the government out of your life even after you're dead, and that's what a good estate plan will do. Um, there is a myth out there that an estate plan, uh, or excuse me, that if you don't have an estate plan, that the government's going to come in and seize your assets, assets and take them um, for government purposes. That is a myth. That's not true. That's not what the government's going to do. But it is true that if you don't make decisions about uh, about what you what you want to do with your with your assets, if you don't have a will, if you don't have a trust, if you don't have an estate plan, then there are state laws. They're called intestacy laws that make those decisions for you, and they may not be what you wanted. Maybe they are. The state usually is trying to do what they think most people would want to have done with those with their assets in those situations. But if they if they don't, um, if you if if it's not what you wanted, then it's 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 going to be the government that decides that. Um, I do have uh, a, a note here from Lisa that Kevin is online, so we'll get back to the estate planning uh, topic. But hey, Kevin, are you there? Jerem, how are you? I'm good. How are you, man? Great. Great. ASU won this weekend, so of course I'm great. Hey, yeah. ASU's looking good after that disastrous loss to UCLA. They've been much better since then. So, yeah, still have a chance for the Rose Bowl or outside chance at the playoff with ASU. That's good. Very good. Yeah, so I'm 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 living living well right now. Jeremy, actually you said uh we're going to take a break from estate planning. I apologize. My tip is actually ironically about estate planning. I didn't realize until about two minutes ago that you were the host and that the entire show is about estate planning. So <laughs> I no, apologize. That's, I'll that's, be brief. That's, that's fine. No, you don't have to be brief. It may be you can help me cover whatever this topic is uh, during this tip, and then I won't have to cover it later. So it's not a big deal. All right. All go right. On. Thanks for your patience. Go ahead. All right. So recently... For whatever reason, a lot of our clients have had questions about 
about how their revocable living trust fits in with their LLCs. Right. And so, you know, we typically advise that their revocable living trust should be the the owner, the member uh, of their LLC. And and sometimes they they don't understand entirely this this concept and and so we get the opportunity to explain to them all about probate which you'll talk about throughout the show. And I and I think sometimes that these clients think that because it's an LLC, it's a business, somehow it's not involved with probate. Right. Um and so you know, there's lots of different situations with an LLC. You know, what if it's just me? I'm the only owner. It's a single-member LLC. What if I have business partners? How does my death affect, you know, the situation of, of the business and what, what would happen? So, But I, I I can't think of a good exception. You know, in almost all circumstances, you would want to have your revocable living trust be the owner-member of your LLC ownership interest. and And that would avoid probate, at least with respect to your, you know, LLC ownership interest. I'm sure you'll get into, you know, yeah. setting up a trust, funding it, you know, uh, all that good stuff. So, but I, I, another question that comes up is, well, you know, I, what if I've got a buy-sell provision doesn't, you know, in the, in the operating agreement of my, uh, of my LLC, even if you have, you know, that uh, buy-sell provision in your operating agreement, and even if it's, you know, properly funded, you know, with life insurance to buy out, you know, a deceased partner's interest, you'd still have the issue of, okay, well, who's getting, who's going to receive the proceeds? Is it, is right. it from the life insurance policy? Is it the deceased partner's estate or is it their trust? So if it's the estate, it the money's still got to go through probate. So right. anyway, long story short, you know, if you have a trust, uh, then, you know, make it the owner member of your LLC and there'd be no probate court involvement. Um so and and I'm sure you'll get into you know the different kinds of trusts and each trust has different bells and whistles and pros and cons but in this situation if we're just talking about you have LLCs you want to avoid probate the revocable living trust would would work and and people think this well is this going to complicate the issue it won't it won't complicate the issue it won't make filing your taxes with your LLC any more difficult than if you were still the right. owner um and then the other issue that comes up is you know this stepped-up basis, which you, I don't know how much you, you'll go into it, but, you know, yeah, whatever we'll stepped-up. Okay. So, yeah, just clients know, hey, you know, this is a revocable living trust, so whatever stepped-up basis that exists there with the decedent on the date of their death, you know, for paying taxes, getting that benefit to the beneficiaries, it's still there under IRC 1022. You still get that. So, you know, it's not the end-all, uh, be-all. Of course, you'll talk about, I'm sure, you know, it doesn't get you that creditor protection, but in this case, if you have LLCs, right. The revocable living trust is a nice tool. Make it the owner of your LLC. So that's my that's my tip. So, uh, no, absolutely, and that 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 does dovetails perfectly with what I'm going to talk about. And, and you're right. The main the main issues are, yeah, because people are confused by this. They think, well, doesn't my I've got a buy sell agreement, or doesn't my operating agreement say what's going to be done with with my LLC interest when I pass away? No, generally it doesn't. And even if it did. That's not really a testamentary document. It's not done the right way to transfer that interest uh, when when you pass away. And 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 even if it did, it would have to go through probate. So if the trust is going to help you avoid probate on your, your LLC interest, 
uh, if you own an interest in an S corporation, you can you can still put it in the name of the trust. And you're exactly right. The other confusion that tends to come up, or I don't know if it's confusion, but a myth is, okay, well, if I have my LLC be owned by my revocable living trust, that's even more asset protection, right? No. Right. <laughs> It's 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 not um, the the revocable living trust, which is the standard uh, trust that we we do for estate planning purposes, doesn't provide any additional asset protection. It's not designed to do that, but it is gonna it is gonna help you avoid probate. And we're gonna get into why avoiding probate is important, why it's something that you generally want to do, or want to make sure that your heirs um, don't have to go through. Uh, with your assets. So I, I appreciate that, Kevin. Um, why don't you let everybody uh, listening know how they can get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah, if anyone has questions or wants to get a hold of me, they can reach me by phone, area code 602-761-9798 or via email, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, at KKOSLawyers.com. All right, Kevin, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jeremy. Good luck. All right, thanks. Bye. All right. All right, we're, again, we appreciate Kevin coming on. He's been with the firm for, gosh, about six months now, and he does a great job, does great work out of the uh, out of the Phoenix, Arizona office, working with, with Matt Sorensen down there uh, and with some of the other members of our staff. So we, we appreciate him coming on. Like I said, I don't have... Uh, I don't have any any uh, tax tipsters this week, um, so we'll get right into. It. Actually, there was sorry, there was one more thing from the newsletter that I did want to point out. Uh, obviously, there are the the um, the really good uh, articles um, that uh, that both Mark and Matt have written. You know, why to purchase uh, rental property before the end of the year, maximizing 401k contributions with your S corp, uh, planning to uh, plan your travel write offs for the holidays now, and then crowdfunding basics. Please take a look at those. Uh, at those articles, um, share them, like them. Um, they're they're you know so that other people can can get the same information. They're really good articles, so take a look at at, at those. The last thing I did want to point out um, is the kind of the alert about company maintenance. Um, uh, in, if you've got an LLC or, LLC or in, in some cases both an LLC and a, a corporation, in these nine states, and I'm going to go through them, they are Florida, Tennessee, Michigan, Montana, Georgia, North Carolina, Delaware, Mississippi, and Kansas. Those states, if you've set up an LLC or a corporation, um, some states it's only an LLC, and some states it's an LLC or a corporation. But if you set up a business entity in any of those states within the last year, um, and you're thinking, well, I don't have to do my annual renewal until I've been in existence for a year, in those states that's not necessarily the case. In fact, it's not the case. Some of those states you have to do your first renewal, you know, right around the first of the year. Uh, some it's in, in March, some it's in April, and then you do it at that time of year every year thereafter. Um, so please be aware if you have an entity in those states, um, we can help you know what it is that you need to do, what fees need to be paid uh, to the state. Um, our contact person for that is our, our company maintenance 
guru Holly Butterfield. Um, if if you need to get a hold of her, our phone number here in the Utah office where she's located is 435-586-9366. You can also get a hold of her at 888-801-0010 uh, or at her email address, which is holly, spelled the traditional way, H-O-L-L-Y, at kkoslawyers.com. So I wanted to make sure I got that in. Um, let's get what i really want to do in this in this program i've got about 40 minutes left i definitely want to answer any questions that anyone has and i've got one that we'll get to any any questions you have type them in the chat window if you want to get on uh, the air live i'll take your call uh you can send questions to me at uh, jerom at kkoslawyers.com it's j a r o m as in mary at kkoslawyers.com but i i kind of want to go through the basics. I want to talk about what estate planning is, why it's important. I want to get at the nitty-gritty of what what questions does my estate plan answer that um and these are questions that are going to be answered whether you have a written organized comprehensive estate plan or not. They're questions that either you're going to answer and you're going to take control uh and answer those questions or the government will um and through through statute. Um they're, they're questions that are important. Um, some of the estate planning issues we're going to talk about are issues uh, that you're going to deal with during your lifetime, um, not necessarily after you pass away. Some are issues that, that your heirs are going to deal with, with that after you pass away. But it really shows a level of respect and love for, for your heirs and your loved ones if you get this um, if you get an estate plan in place so that they don't have to guess and so that they don't have to pay an attorney to figure out what's going to be done with your assets when you pass away. So l- let's just start. I've got a definition of estate planning uh, that you know I found online but I really like. Estate planning is the art of continuing to prosper when you're alive and passing your property to your loved ones with a minimum of fuss and expense after you die. Planning your estate is going to involve making gifts, buying insurance, creating a will, a living trust, health care directives, durable powers of attorney for health care and finances, or other documents. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, what estate planning is. There are five basic questions that are going to be answered by your estate plan. Whether you do your estate plan or whether you go with the one that the government has for you, um, these questions are going to be answered. One, how will my assets be distributed upon my passing, and who will make decisions regarding the distribution of those assets? That's what I'm going to focus on most during this this program, um, but they, these other four questions, um, if we have time, I'm going to get to these. Uh, in fact, I plan to get to these. Um, the second question is, if I become incapacitated and I can't make decisions regarding my health care and finances, who's going to make those decisions on my behalf? The third question is, who will make end-of-life decisions for me, and how will those decisions be made? What I mean by that is, um, if you're in a persistent vegetative state and you don't want uh, life support to continue if you're in that state and you've been diagnosed as such by two uh, physicians, you can take control and take that decision out of the hands of your of your family who may not either know what you want or may know what they think you want but may not be able to, to 
you know, pull the trigger on making that decision. You, you know, you take a very emotional decision out of their hands and say, this is what I want to have done. Uh, the fourth question is, what will be done with my body after I pass away, and what are the arrangements for my funeral? Um, you're, the government's not really going to come in on that one, but if you don't tell your heirs, if you don't tell your family or the people that you, you trust to make those decisions, what do you want to have done, then they're just going to have to guess. And then number five, if I have minor children or other dependents who need care, who will be their legal guardian or guardians when I pass away? That is a, a situation where if you don't make it clear, the government may have to step in. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, there are really three basic options for your estate planning. Number one, and this is by far the most popular option in the United States today, and I would guess in the world, uh, is to do nothing. That's absolutely option number one. That's the option most people take, uh, is they, they decide they're not going to do anything. Um, if you don't do anything, that's fine, but these are still questions, those five questions are still questions that need to be answered. And they're going to be answered but it won't be you that gives the answers to those questions. Somebody else, either the government or, or your kids or somebody else or your spouse um, is going to make those decisions for you. Number two, and this is probably the second most popular option, is to have a basic estate plan. And when I say a basic estate plan, in most cases that means just having a will. Uh, a fair, we wish more people just had a will, at least had a will, uh, but that will um, doesn't cover all of those questions. It can't cover all of those questions. It can't answer all of those questions that, that I just asked. Um, so if you have a will, that's great. If you, if you want a will, we can help you get one. Um, that's at least something, and it's going to be able to answer some of those questions that we just went through. Um, the third option uh, and this is where a law firm like ours or or some other uh, some other attorney comes in usually to help you is a comprehensive uh, estate plan, and a comprehensive estate plan usually includes a will um, for a married couple. It includes wills for both spouses. It will include a revocable living trust. Uh, to own certain assets, and we'll talk about what assets those are and why that's important. Uh, the third thing it will include is medical and financial powers of attorney, where you designate in writing, uh, in a document that's been notarized and witnessed and all of that, you designate who is going to make those decisions, medical decisions and financial decisions, who's who's authorized to sign for you on those sorts of things on your behalf when you're incapacitated, uh, when you can't make those decisions for yourself. You're either physically or mentally incapacitated. You're not maybe to the point where you're in a persistent vegetative state and we're going to remove life support, but you're unconscious. Uh, or you get to the point where you have dementia or Alzheimer's disease and, and you, you just mentally can't make those decisions. Um, you can, before you get to that state, Designate who do you who who it is that you want to have make those decisions for you. Um, if you don't, um, you can run into and your 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 family members and and spouse can run into serious legal costs and fees trying to make that determination or have a court make that determination. 
Um, so uh, that's uh, that's one thing. And then the final thing is the Living Will or Advanced Healthcare Directive that we talked about. That's the document that uh, will will state when it is that you want to have life support removed, if indeed you do want to have life support removed. Um, so let let's go through what I, what I want to do is I want to go through how each of these options will answer. Um, those five basic questions that I went through. So the first, the first option is to do nothing. If you do nothing, then the question of how will my assets be distributed upon my passing and who will make decisions regarding the distribution of those assets is answered by the government, the state government, not the federal government, but by the laws of the state where you live uh, when you pass away. Um, not necessarily where you have assets, but where it is that you live when you pass away. Uh, it's going to be dis- decided according to the intestacy laws of those of, the, of that state. Really, that means that the state or the government decides. Intestacy is a legal term for dying without a will or other testamentary document stating what you want to have done with your assets. Depending on the facts of your particular situation, that statute's going to divide your assets usually between a surviving spouse if you have one and then surviving descendants if you have those uh, equally. Um, if you have a surviving spouse, the spouse is going to get most of everything unless you have children from a different marriage. Um, so if you, if you want to leave everything to your spouse, you can uh, by, not, by doing nothing. Uh, everything will go to your spouse if your spouse outlives you. Uh, if not, then everything will probably go to your, your children uh, equally. Um, and so there's no discrimination about, well, I want this child to have a particular asset, or I want this child to be disinherited, or I want this child to have more, or I want so-and-so to have my, uh, you know, my jewelry or my gun collection or you know, this particular car. Um, none of that is taken into consideration. Um, the state decides, there, uh, there's statutes in every state, most of them are pretty similar, um, about who's going to get your assets when you pass away. The, as to the other questions, um, if I become incapacitated and can't make decisions regarding my health care and finances, who will make those decisions on my behalf? Well, the practicalities of it is if you don't have a, a financial or, or health care power of attorney, then somebody may step in, a spouse may be recognized to be able to do that. But if you don't have a a surviving spouse uh, when you get to that point and you have multiple children, then it's really, or you don't have any children, then it's really up in the air. Uh, And your, your kids may disagree about who's supposed to make those decisions on your behalf. And if it gets to that point that everybody can't agree, then a conservator or or guardian, uh, it's generally called a conservator, may have to be appointed on your behalf. Um, that's a court proceeding. Um, someone has to petition a court to be named your conservator, to be named as the person who can sign on financial documents, who can make financial decisions, who can decide if you're going to liquidate that stock uh, or that mutual fund, or if you're going to liquidate that rental property or that LLC interest. Um, Somebody's going to have to be appointed in that situation, and that's, again, the government getting involved. A judge is going to decide uh, whether that petition should be granted. 
I've seen a lot of, uh, unfortunately, fights among siblings about this is what dad or mom would have wanted. Um, and and they end up in court, and somebody is petitioning to be appointed conservator, and another sibling is challenging that or opposing that. Um, so it gets to be really contentious sometimes. You can avoid that by 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 having a, a financial uh, or and medical power of attorney where you have designated hey this is the person who's going to make those decisions on my behalf um who's going to make end of life decisions for me and how will those decisions be made it's usually going to be a next of kin whoever's around um you know hopefully it's a you know maybe if you've got a surviving spouse it'll be the spouse but when there's not a surviving spouse and my wife is a social worker at a ho- at a hospital uh, and she sees this all the time. It kind of becomes chaos uh, when there's not a surviving spouse, or maybe the surviving spouse is there, but they're incapacitated and they can't make the decisions. And there's multiple kids, and the kids are trying to make those decisions. Um, you know, about what, when do we when do we remove life support? When do we just put this uh, put mom or dad on comfort measures because they they just want to be comfortable until they pass away? Um, you know, you can take that decision out of their hands, and you can avoid that chaos by having a, a living will. Uh, sometimes it's also called an advanced health care directive to make those decisions. The fourth question, what will be done with my body after I pass away, uh, and what are the arrangements for my funeral? If you don't have an estate plan where you've told people uh, in writing what you want to have done, well, then hopefully you've you've told somebody uh, verbally what you want to have done. Otherwise, they're just going to be guessing. Oh, do they want to be buried or cremated? Or if they are cremated, what, are they, what does mom or dad want to have done with their ashes? Uh, you know, we they may not know if you haven't communicated that to them, and having it in writing kind of avoids any questions. Uh, and then finally, if I have minor children or other dependents who need care, who will be their legal guardian or guardians? Um, if you haven't stated that in your in your estate plan, um, if if you don't if you don't have a will uh, for sure or, or any of these other documents, and it's generally a will where where this designation is made. Um, if you don't have a will, then hopefully people agree about who's supposed to be the guardian because if they don't then we have another possible lawsuit on our hands where someone is petitioning to be appointed guardian uh and maybe somebody else feels like they were supposed to be the guardians uh i know this can happen in you know families with with uh young children where a married couple gets in an accident or something and now they're both gone well was it my you know was it the husband's brother or was it the or was it the wife's sister who was supposed to get the kids um maybe one told one spouse told one one sibling something and the other spouse told their sibling something else um if you don't if you don't designate that in your estate plan then if people don't agree if who's you know the remaining relatives don't agree then it's going to be the government through a judge uh, stepping in to make that decision. Lawyers are going to get involved. It's going to be costly, uh, and you can avoid it by, by doing some planning. So that's how those questions are answered if you do nothing, and we want to help you uh, avoid doing nothing. The second, um, the second option uh, beyond doing nothing is just having a will. Or, hey, I've got a will. Uh, that's going to take care of me. It's going to take care of some things, and it's it's certainly better than nothing. I don't want to discourage anybody from going out and getting a will. If that's all you can afford, uh, then uh, or or that that's all you have time for, then go out and do it. 
get a will. We can help you uh, relatively inexpensively get a will. Uh, it's better than nothing. Um, but it, it, it doesn't answer all these questions, and we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to it. So, you know, I want to talk about what is a will. Well, a will is a document in which the will maker specifies who is going to receive his or her property at, at that person's death and names an executor. Uh, executor or personal representative, or you'll even hear the female term executress, uh, executrix, um, that means the same thing. It's the person who is representing and making decisions and si signing documents and so forth on behalf of the estate. Um, the other thing you can do with your will is you can name a guardian for your young children, for your minor children. To be valid, a will has to be signed by the person, it has to be dated, and it has to be witnessed, signed by witnesses, at least two, well, not at least, but two witnesses. Um, there is something, there's another option out there, it's a, a will that's totally in the handwriting of the testator, which is the person making the will, uh, that is signed and dated. It, that's called a holographic will. Uh, holographic wills don't have to be witnessed and are valid in about half of the states. Uh, Utah, where I'm located, uh, is one of those states. Um, you can get in touch with us about other states. What I'm getting at is a holographic will, if you haven't done anything and, and uh, your death is in imminent and you want to write some things down and date and sign it, in some states that will be valid. In some states, it won't. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we can help you uh, figure out if, if a holographic will is valid in your state. And again, a holographic will is better than nothing, but it's certainly not, not something to hang your hat on. Um, so what are the steps? What does a will include? Um, a will document needs to identify itself as a will. It needs to state that it's your last will and testament. It needs to expressly revoke all previous wills and codicils, even if there are none, just in case you have one that you forgot about. You want to make sure you revoke anything previously. And a, to, to clarify, a codicil is an, it's a fancy word we learned in law school for an amendment to a will. So if you have any, any previous wills or codicils, you want to revoke those. Uh, you want to make sure you appoint a personal representative or executor of your estate in your will. You want to appoint a guardian uh, where minor children uh, are or may be involved. Also, uh, any adult children who, who need a guardian. Uh, you want to make sure you, you, you name a guardian for those folks. Uh, it needs to provide a formula or a method for distributing your property. Um, if, you've, if you're doing a comprehensive estate plan, that formula is just going to say, basically, I want all of my assets to be distributed as my trust directs. Um, and again, it's going to have to be signed by a minimum of two people who have signed after witnessing either the signing of the will or the, the testator's acknowledgement of the will. So how are your assets going to be distributed upon your passing, and who's going to make decisions regarding the distribution of your assets if you have a will? Well, your will should provide for the complete distribution of your assets uh, to those people that you wish to have them. So your will should say, if all you have is a will, your will needs to say who you want to have, you know, who you want to have your stuff, who you want to have your real estate and your business interests, and uh, you know. Jewelry and and that sort of thing. If you if all you're going to have is a will, then you, you know you need to be specific. Now it may be I want to leave everything I have to so and so, or I want to I want to divide it up amongst my two kids. Well, so then you don't have to get real specific unless it's I want child number one to have the guns, I want child number two to have the jewelry or whatever, or this piece of furniture. If anything specific you want to do, if all you're going to do is have a will, you need to put that in there. However, I want to be clear that even the best drafted wills. Even wills that uh, are specific about assets 
they're going to have to go through something called the probate process, and Kevin alluded to that uh, during his tip, to distribute certain property, especially real estate. Some assets can pass free of probate. Most states allow you to pass a number of cars uh, without going through the probate process. Many states, if you have a small net uh, value of your estate, under $100,000, they are going to let um, tangible personal property uh, you know, pass free of probate. What The two kinds of assets that aren't going to pass free of probate, no matter what, uh, with a will, are real estate and then, as, as Kevin alluded to, business interests, your interest in an LLC or a corporation, that's going to have to go through probate um, in most cases, if not all cases. Um, so what is probate? Well, when a person dies, that person's estate's going to go through this probate process. It's a process overseen by a judge in a probate court. If that decedent, the person that died, leaves a will directing how his or her property should should be distributed after the after their death, then what the probate court is doing is they're determining if the will should be admitted admitted to probate and given legal effect. They're basically determining whether that will was valid. Um, whether and there's lots of things that go into that. Did the person know what they were doing at the time that they they executed the will? That means do they have testamentary capacity? Um, there are other things. Were they under duress or undue influence of somebody else? Did they do the formalities of a will, which is sign it and have it attested to by two witnesses? Um, so that's what happens in probate if there is a will. Probate can also happen and will oftentimes happen if the decedent dies intestate, which means without leaving a will. In that case, the court's going to appoint a personal representative to distribute the decedent's property according to the state's intestacy laws. So the, the, the personal representative is not going to get to decide anything. Uh, and the decedent, the person that died, didn't decide anything. But that personal representative is going to be the person that signs documents to distribute assets according to the intestacy laws of the state. Um, so uh, that's what probate is. So w Kevin and I talked a fair amount about avoiding probate. Well, you know, why do you even want to avoid probate? I mean, who cares? Well, here's a couple. Here's a, a few drawbacks of probate. One is cost. Your heirs are going to be required to file a case in probate cost, which is going to entail filing fees, and very likely it's going to entail attorney's fees. Obviously, going to cost money. Uh, we, you know, we we file probate actions, but we don't do it for free. Um, so if 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 you you need help with that, you're probably going to pay an attorney, and 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 obviously they're going to charge money. The second drawback drawback is time. The probate process can take months uh, and sometimes years to complete. In the meantime, the assets that, that you wanted to pass on to your uh, heirs uh, are in limbo. Uh, nobody can do anything with them until the probate process is, is finished. The third drawback is lack of privacy. All filings in a probate case are a matter of public record. Uh, that's pretty much across the board. That's the reason why you can go online and see what was in John F. Kennedy's will or Marilyn Monroe or other famous people because that, that will becomes a public document. People can get access to it. So if you don't want how you divided up your estate to be public knowledge or to be public record, um, then, then a will is not the way to go. The fourth drawback of, of probate is contestability. Wills can be challenged on several grounds, like I talked about. Undue influence, lack of testamentary capacity, uh, they were under duress, 
uh, and the probate case gives a potential challenger a ready-made form because there's a court case already um, to contest the validity of the will. They don't have to file anything. Uh, they just have to file an objection to the will being admitted to probate. So there's a ready-made forum for them to uh, to challenge the will. So that's that's how um, that's how a will passes on assets. It pass. You've made the decision. At least you made that decision. Um, it's in the will. What's going to be done with your assets? But your your heirs are going to have to go through probate to give that will any effect. As to the other questions. Um, if you could become incapacitated and can't make health care and financial decisions, your will says nothing about that. You can put that in your will, but your will doesn't have any legal effect until you pass away. So it doesn't have any effect on it's – it's not the right instrument to name someone to make decisions – financial and, and medical decisions on your behalf before you pass away. So it doesn't answer that question for you at all. Um, uh, who's going to make end-of-life decisions for me about about removing life support? No. Again, your will doesn't have any legal effect until you're dead. So it's not going to answer any questions uh, about what what's going to be done during your lifetime. Um, it's what it is going to answer is usually if you do it right you can put in there what you want to have done with your body when you pass away whether you want to be buried or cremated or otherwise and what the arrangements are for your funeral yeah that's absolutely that's going to be in your will so the will is going to answer that question and it's going to answer the fifth question which is if i have minor children or other dependents who need care who's going to be their legal guardians yes that is answered by a will so three out of the five main questions are answered if all you have is a will the third option uh, beyond doing nothing and just having a will is having a comprehensive estate plan in place. A comprehensive estate plan, as I went through earlier, is going to have the following documents. It's going to have a will. It's going to have a medical power of attorney. It's going to have a financial power of attorney. It's going to have a living will, which, are, which is also known as an advanced health care directive. And in most cases, it's going to have a revocable living trust. The trust isn't always necessary. I don't want to come off as no matter what, no matter what situation you're on in, in in life, you need a trust. That's not necessarily true. As I talked about earlier, a trust comes into play if you own real estate and if you own an LLC interest or a, or a corporation interest, any interest in a, in a company other than obviously if you own stock in Microsoft or something, that's not as, as big a deal. But uh, if you if you own real estate and you own interests in a business, uh, then then uh, a trust makes a lot of sense to avoid probate, which is the the issue that we just talked about a lot of times if you're if your estate is small enough and you don't own real estate and you don't own an interest in a business then we, we can we can get get through uh passing assets to your heir or with heirs without going through probate anyway so what is a trust? Generally, a trust is a relationship in which one person holds title to a pro to property subject to an obligation to keep or use that property for the benefit of another. In a regular uh, revocable living trust, which is really the only trust we're going to talk about today, you're on both sides of the relationship during your lifetime. Through the trust, you hold the property for your own benefit during your lifetime. Um, so... Uh, you're you're wearing both the hats. You're the trustee of the trust during your lifetime, which is uh, means you hold that's the person that holds the property, and you're the beneficiary, so you're holding it for your own benefit during your lifetime. What a trust does that a, just a simple will does not 
is that it allows your heirs to avoid going through the probate process in order to to take title to real estate, business interests, and and some other assets. The difference is this. When assets are owned by a trust, the trust is going to name a successor trustee to distribute the assets as the trust directs uh, after the original trustees, which would be you and or your spouse, pass away. Because the asset is owned by a trust instead of by you personally, that trust continues to exist and has a legal representative. So even though you died as trustee and, and beneficiary of the trust, the trust still exists. It owns the property, not you, the deceased person. There's just a new trustee, and the trust designates who that person is. That trustee can then deed assets, can deed real estate uh, that the trust owns to the beneficiaries that are named in the trust. A lot of times the successor trustee of the trust is also a beneficiary, and that's fine. There's not a problem with that at all. Um, the successor, excuse me, successor trustee can, uh, can also execute documents, membership interest transfer documents to transfer LLC interest or stock tra- transfer documents to, to transfer stock to the people uh, that, that you want to, to own those assets when you pass away. So what happens is that successor trustee that's named in the trust document can take the trust document, a death certificate, and a photo ID ID to a title company who will transfer ownership of the real estate to the new owner without the expense and and, and time of going to a courthouse to file a probate action. Um, And in in the case of an LLC interest, they can bring the same stuff to to us or to some other attorney who will execute, uh, help them, or excuse me, draft documents for them to execute to to transfer those business interests. So that, in terms of of answering the question about how your assets are going to be distributed, they're going to be distributed as you direct in the the trust without going through probate. Um, So it's everything that's good about the, the will without all of the things that are negative or drawbacks about the will. It's not a public document. Your trust isn't going to be available somewhere for people to find and figure out what it is you did with your assets. Um, the trust is an excellent tool to help in passing ownership of business entities to the next generation. And in certain situations, trust can be used to help minimize or eliminate the effects of estate taxes, uh, which which I'm going to, to get to here in, in a moment. So, that's why that's why you want to have a trust involved, um, and a trust is go- is going to help you answer that first question about about assets. But the 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 comprehensive estate plan also answers all of these other questions. If I become incapacitated and can't make decisions regarding my health care and finances, who's going to make those decisions? You've named it. You've got, when we do a comprehensive estate plan, we do a financial and a medical power of attorney where you name who it is you want to make those decisions on your behalf if you become incapacitated. Who's who's going to make end-of-life decisions for me and how are those decisions going to be made? You're going to make them. Uh, in your advanced health care directive. Um, that in, if, I'm, if I'm in that persistent vegetative state, I want life support removed. Now, if you don't want that, that's okay. But if you do, you've taken that control. 
Um, what's going to be done with my body after I pass away and what are the arrangements for my funeral? That's all in the comprehensive estate plan. We include a document where you can you can write that in. Um, if I have minor children or other dependents who need care, who's going to be their legal guardian? You name them. You and your spouse, if you're if you're married, come together and name and put down in your wills. You know, each other is going to be. You know, obviously the surviving spouse, if one of the spouses passes away, will be the guardian. But if not, then you've named. It's so and so. It's the grandparents. It's my sister or your brother or whatever. You've made that decision. So there's no fighting. There's no court battle. There's no attorneys getting involved. And heaven knows we don't want to get attorneys involved if we don't have to. As an attorney, even I know that. Um, so that's that's what you're doing. You're taking these steps now to help avoid a big headache uh, for your uh, uh, for your heirs when you pass away uh, and for your family. I do want to get to this question. So that the, that's kind of how the three basic uh, estate planning options answer these questions. Uh, I do want to get to um, the question that, that was sent along to me by Mark um, that was sent to him. Um, he says his, that his question has to do um, – he says uh, that his question is what to do with a small plane. Um, and that Mark had pointed out in a seminar uh, that there's a thing called a gun trust to to help uh, pass on guns. And guns are a different species. And if you have guns that you want to if you, that you want to pass on, um, that's something specific that we we would talk about. But this 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 client wants to know if there's something like that for for airplanes, or if it's better to use an LLC. He says he's talking about a, a plane that his dad built from a kit um, that's been making good planes for for over 30 years. A couple things. If you wanted to own that plane in the name of a trust, I think that's something that might make sense. A, a, an airplane certainly isn't the same as a motor, you know, a regular car, a motor vehicle. So if you want to designate who's going to own that uh, that plane when you pass away, then I would own the plane in the name of irrevocable living trust. I don't think there's any reason for a special trust. There are so many regulations that go along with guns that guns oftentimes need their need their own trust or their own trust language. I don't think that's necessary for a plane, but owning a plane in the name of a trust is a really good thing if you specifically want that plane to go to someone else when, when you pass away. Um, I would own it in the name of the trust. If you're concerned about liabilities of that plane, um, affecting you and, and also how your liabilities would affect that, that that asset, that plane, then yeah, you could own the plane in the name of an LLC and then that LLC could be owned in turn by your trust so that the ownership interest in that plane uh, that is represented by the LLC can be passed without probate when you pass away. Um, so either is a good option. The LLC introduces an aspect of asset protection that the revocable living trust doesn't. Um, so that I guess that would be my advice. A revocable living trust, yes, for estate planning purposes, own the plane in the name of the trust. Um, if you're looking to add a, an asset protection piece to that, then own the, the plane in the name of an LLC and have the LLC owned in the name of a revocable living trust. I hope that, um, and that was a question from Thomas. Thomas, if, if that doesn't answer your question or if you have follow-up questions, please feel free to email me at uh, J-A-R-O-M at KKOSLawyers.com. I also quickly wanted to get into the uh, what Kevin talked about. Kevin brought up it's important to fund your trust. Well, what does it mean to fund your trust? 
Well, here's what it means. You can come to us or some other attorney and do a great estate plan with uh, a revocable living trust, uh, including a revocable living trust, uh, that sets out what you want to have done with assets when you pass away. But if you don't take the next step, which is transferring assets into the name of the trust, then that trust isn't going to do you any good. Um, if your trust doesn't own your real estate, if your trust doesn't own your LLC or corporation or limited partnership interests, if your LLC isn't the beneficiary of your life insurance, if the LLC isn't the beneficiary of your um, if the LLC isn't the beneficiary of your uh, IRA or other retirement accounts, or at least a contingent beneficiary, and often cases in both life insurance and retirement accounts, you want to make your spouse the primary beneficiary and then your trust the contingent beneficiary, then your trust isn't directing. It can't. It doesn't have legal title to direct what's going to be done with those assets. Um, so I, I, I wanted to I wanted to, to make sure I, I pointed that out. Um, the the trust is is only as good um, as what it owns. If it doesn't own the assets, it doesn't control them. Um, so make sure if you if you do an, a, a comprehensive estate plan, the final step is funding that trust, making sure that trust owns what it needs to own and is the beneficiary of what it needs to be the beneficiary of. That's where uh, you know we we every time we do an estate plan, we're helping. We send out a document um, that states, "Hey, here are the things you need to be aware of." We're answering those questions by phone and by email. Um, so that's where where we can be um, we can be more uh, proactive in helping you take those steps. The last thing I wanted to to cover because um, a lot of people, I've got a question that that just came in from. Um, from Bradley about uh, hearing more about the tax advantages of a revocable living trust. I'll get into that. I know we don't have a lot of time here, but the main tax benefit that can come from a revocable living trust is helping you save, and not you, but really your, your heirs, save on estate taxes. The federal government imposes uh, what's called an estate tax on estates of a certain value. Most states don't have an estate tax. Some do. Most states out in the West don't. Utah, the state that I'm in, does not. Most states don't, but some do. The tax is actually paid by the beneficiaries of the estate, not by not by the, the person who passes away. People who pass away in 2014 are going to be able to pass on up to $5.34 million in assets without incurring any estate tax liability at all. That covers roughly 99% of the population. That that exemption, that $5.34 million exemption, it's indexed for inflation, and it's going to rise to roughly $5.43 million. So it'll go up by, what is that, $90,000 uh, in 2015. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're a st- if the net value of your estate, so assets minus liabilities, is over that $5.34 million threshold, then there are ways we can, uh, through your your trust uh, and doing a certain kind of trust, help you to double that amount if you're a married couple. Uh, married couples right now, even without doing anything with a trust, can double that amount to $10.68 million dollars. Uh, passing to their heirs free of estate taxes um, due to something called portability. That portability of that exemption between spouses 
is in place right now, but it won't always be in place. Well, it may be. It, what I mean is it may not always be in place. Congress and the president and, you know, Congress changes hands between political parties and so does the presidency um, can, can play with that. And the portability exemption may go away. The way to make sure that you can double whatever that exemption is, the way to make sure that you can double it is no matter what Congress does, is by doing what's called an, an AB or bypass trust, which I'm not going to get into the mechanics of it, but it allows you to double the amount of the estate tax exemption between married couple, between spouses, regardless of what Congress does with that portability uh, piece of things. I do quickly, before we're done, I want to run through a quick um, example. If you The estate tax... Uh, uh, amount or rate is 40%. So everything uh, that you leave to your family, let's say you're single and you leave to your heirs an estate worth $6.34 million. The first $5.34 million are tax-free. They're not going to pay taxes, any estate taxes on what's left to them. That next million dollars, in that case, if you leave an estate worth that much, your beneficiaries are going to have to pay estate taxes on that million dollars at 40%. That's a four. Uh, that's a four hundred thousand dollar estate tax bill that they're going to have to pay. And if you don't have liquid proceeds in your estate, a lot of people who have estates this big, it's because they've got a big tract of land. Well, that's where you, you hear about. Well, we had to sell the farm or whatever to pay the estate taxes. Is if all they all you have is the farm, and the farm you know is worth six point three four million dollars, your family's going to have to sell the farm. <laughs> taxes. That's where we can come in. Um, there are ways to avoid that. There are gifting that you can do. Um, you know, I, I said to Kevin I was going to get into stepped-up basis. There are lots of things to cover on this topic. If you have specific questions, please give me a call at, at, at uh, 435-586-9366 or get, shoot me an email. We can help you get through these issues. We can help you plan your estate so that you and your family are protected and free of estate taxes going forward. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American dream. Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's eBooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at RefreshYourWealth.com. 